today i'm going to teach on your mandate in christ yes your mandate in christ hallelujah i believe that the holy spirit is going to give you a message that would bless your life your mandate in christ now um in 1914 something spectacular happened but before that in 1912 um there was a, the invention of what we call the titanic the titanic ship it was invented in 1912 it set sail those that um, invented the titanic ship those that made it said that not even god can sink it it means that the expertise the knowledge that came together to produce that ship was very strong so when they set sail in the titanic it sank and the whole world was shocked because it was the biggest ship ever produced in the world then in 1914 two years after um another ship was um produced and it was called the empress of ireland now with the empress of ireland it was huge it could take over 1500 people on board now they tested the empress of ireland based on what happened with the titanic they made sure that this one had no issues no problems so that it will not experience what happened with the titanic so the ship set sail from canada to london as the ship was going um midway there was another ship that carried coal and because of the thick darkness on the on the sea on the high seas this coal ship you know just crashed into the empress of ireland and it began to sink and everything happened so fast that in about 20 minutes the ship was under the waters now the beautiful story about the empress of ireland is that out of the 1400 people which were on board it had compartments so we had business class sort of regular people and um and then young people students in the cabins um the empress of ireland also had musicians celebrities footballers very great people but almost everybody died on board there were about 400 survivors out of the 1477 people that were on board now there were a group of young people on that particular ship when the survivors were interviewed they told a story a very powerful story of how when they were in the waters and they were sinking a group of young people will come to them in life jackets and ask you sir are you born again are you saved and if you said no they would take off their life jacket give it to you and dive into the waters now these survivors were talking about how they were saved how they survived in deep waters it was later investigated and it was realized that these young guys were a group of people 
who belong to a ministry called the Salvation Army Church. It's one of the biggest ministries in the world. And they were going for a convention in London and from Canada. And they were in the cabin. Yes, that's the Empress of Ireland. They were in the cabin, that compartment where the life jackets were. Because they were young guys, they, they, they just pushed them in that part of the, of the ship. And so they had access to the life jacket. Nobody thought they were going to die. So nobody thought about life jackets. But interestingly, none of those young guys survived. Each one of them handed over their life jacket to somebody there was one of the survivors one of the very stout take tall survivors who was interviewed and he said a young lady came to her when she was he was drowning and the young lady asked him are you born again and he said no we are drowning you don't ask me such questions and the young lady said that's that's the main reason why i, I swam to you i'm in a life jacket say are you are you do you know jesus have you accept, accepted him as your Lord and personal Savior? And the man said, no, we, we need to survive. And he said, sir, I am born again. I have life. You need Jesus. And she took off her life jacket and threw it to the man. And the man said, no, take it. You are younger. He said, I'm younger, but I'm heaven bound. You are older, but you are hell bound. And in the midst of the banter, the young lady just dived into the waters. He took the life jacket, he survived. And he said that day, he survived twice. He was saved from drowning and he was saved from his sins. And he gave that testimony. Now, this is a true story of how a group of young people accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and lived it out to the point that others benefited from their faith. Praise the Lord Jesus. I'm going to teach you on your mandates in Christ. Your mandate in Christ. Now, listen to me very well. We learned about your rights in Christ and I taught you that you have the right to choose, the right to live, and the right to rule as a Christian. In the same vein, you have been given a mandate as a Christian. Philippians chapter 2 verse 21. This is a scripture that almost moves me to tears anytime I read it. Philippians 2 21 says, For everyone looks out for their own interests not those of Jesus Christ for everyone looks out for their own interest not those of Jesus Christ you know we live in a world where everybody is concerned about their own life and hardly concerned about God's kingdom Everybody is busy thinking about what they wear, what they will eat, what they will drink. Thinking about bills. 
thinking about all kinds of things. Bible says that everybody is thinking about their own interest, looking out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ has interest, has concerns. But many people are not really concerned about his interest. Many people are concerned only about their interest. But this is because many people, particularly many Christians, don't know the will of God for their lives. You see, the will of God for us is not for us to achieve these mundane things in this life. You know, God is a spirit. When you read John chapter 4, you realize that God is a spirit and his will for us is far greater than what we can see in this earth realm. You see, our life is not just what we are pursuing here. You know, Jesus said that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. That's a very strong statement. That the, the value that we have in life or in time is not just our academic laurels. It's not just our bank account. Our, our life, the value of our life is, is not in uh, even the children we give birth to and the marriages we go in and so on and so forth. There's a greater purpose for which we are born again. There's a greater demand that God has for our lives. You see, and that's why when we become born again, we must learn the precept, the ways of God so that we will know what God expects of us. There are things that make God happy. You see, there are things that move the heart of God. There are things that God expects us to be living our life for. Bible says this place is not our home. It's not just a cliche. It's a reality. We are not from here and someday we are going back. The Bible says that if uh, you gain the whole world and you lose your soul, what have you gained? So it means that there's, there's a greater purpose for living. There's a greater assignment that we need to pursue. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. Thank you Holy Spirit. The Bible says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now stay there. He says, for those that God foreknew, he also predestined. You know, predestination is before time, there was, there was a plan. There was a destiny. There was a fate. Your path in Christ has been determined. Bible says that there was what? Uh, there was a predestination. God foreknew us. He knew us. You know, that's why God told Jeremiah, he said, before you were formed, I knew you. That's what Paul is saying. God knew us before we, we were, you know, we became a clot of blood in our mother's womb. Because we are spiritual beings. With a spiritual heritage and a spiritual destiny. Praise the Lord Jesus. And he says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. So God's purpose for us is 
to be conformed to the image of his son, to become like Jesus Christ. In purpose and in destiny. And the Bible says that, that he might be the firstborn, hallelujah, among many brothers and sisters. Before you became born again, before the world was saved, God had only one son. John 3, 16, Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, the phrase only begotten is the Greek uh, word monogenes. It means that Jesus was the only type of creation in the whole universe. Meaning that you can't have two of Jesus. Only begotten is not referring to the only son in terms of God didn't have other children or creation. It means that he was created in such a fashion that there is no type like him. When you look at the angels, when you talk about seraphims, they are a type of angels. There are many kinds of seraphims. So God creates everything in many forms. When you talk about cherubims, there are many cherubims. You talk about elders in heaven. They are many. So God creates, when, he talks, when we talk about species, God creates multiple of them. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, he was the monogenes, the only type. In the whole universe, he is not duplicate. You can't duplicate him. He's the only type, only begotten son of God. That's what God gave to humanity. So when Jesus left the heavens, there was no more Jesus in the heaven. The light, the glory of heaven was thrown into the earth. That's how precious the coming of Jesus was to us. Whenever angel Gabriel come onto the earth, there are billions of angels in the heaven. The heaven doesn't miss anything. When Michael comes to do warfare in the earth realm, there are many other angels. So heaven doesn't miss anything. But when Jesus came into the earth, Having missed, he was the only son of God. You know, in the old covenant, God had friends. God didn't have children. You know, God spoke to Moses and told Moses, he said, your people have rebelled against me. I'm therefore going to blot their name out of the book of life. You know, that's why in the old covenant, you realize that when people sin against God, there are stories of how the earth would open up and the people would just go in. How people just, the Old Testament is very bloody. People just die. I mean, Saul would just violate something little in the, in the Bible and God would say, I take the kingdom away from you. Because God did not have a personal relationship with men. God was using men, but they were not his children. Are you here with me at all? So there was no emotional connection with men. God did not have the patience, that um, endurance with men. 
Under the old covenant, if you violate a priest, I mean, even the priest that went into the temple, who was supposed to send the atonement um, offering to God on behalf of the people, if they have sinned and they have forgotten to even plead for it, they die in the temple. So God didn't have a relationship with men. He called them his servants. When you read Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17, he says, no weapon fashioned against you shall prosper and any tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. He says, this is the heritage of the servant of God. The people, the people of the old covenant were just servants to God. There was nothing really, really personal. And the more they died, God didn't feel that he was, he was losing anything. Praise the Lord Jesus. Something, I mean, something just messed up. God just gave him a warning. He said, well, that's it. There was no grace to cover people. Because these things will come into position when we become children of God. Every parent become emotionally attached to their children. My God. So God had only one son. And that son brought pleasure to him. But when you read Genesis chapter 6 verse 5, Bible says that God regretted for making man. Because the thought of man was continually evil. So God had no business with man. He appoints people to lead them to show, so that they show his ways. He reveals his ways to individuals and those individuals show his ways to the people. The people cannot have a relationship with God. They have to go through other people. And even those people, when they violate a little bit, you know, like Moses. Moses was leading the people. God was talking with only Moses. And Moses struck the rock twice when he was supposed to do it once. And God said, okay, Joshua, come on, let's go. <laughs> That's how God dealt. I mean, if we were under the old covenant, most of us, our, our time has expired. I mean, because, um, I mean, for most of you, most of us here, you know, God has been merciful to us. He's been so gracious to us. We will not be here. It's either one of you is under the earth or, or someone. I mean, it's, it's, it's so bloody. The Old Testament is so bloody. So Bible says that God had another plan in Christ for us to be patterned or conformed to his son. God realized that the only way he can develop a relationship with us and develop that intimacy with us is if we become his children. Are you here with me at all? Yeah. But we can't become his children because he has only one child. He has only one child. So, what happens? That child is his, he can be duplicated. So, the only way we can become, a, a, you know, his children is to have the life of that one child. To have his life. And to have his life, he has to lose the life so that we can have it. 
And this is why Jesus had to die. He died and gave us his life. So that, bring me back the scripture. So, in John 3, 16, God had only one son. But when we became born again, Jesus Christ was no more monogenes. He wasn't the only begotten. But then, because we are also sons of God, his status changed from only son to firstborn. So the Bible says that, that um, no, give me back the other scripture here. That he might be the firstborn. So the only son is now the firstborn. So that we, Bible says, among many brothers and sisters, now we are also children of God. So through the sacrifice of the one, we have been adopted. You're welcome, sir. Please put your hands together for Reverend. We have become children of God. Do you know what it means to be a child of God? Is is such a glorious thing. Hallelujah. Such a glorious thing. It's a mystery. A privilege that angels didn't have. A privilege that spirits in heaven didn't have. A privilege that was given to only one. Jesus Christ. That he shared that privilege with us. And the connection that God has with us. The intimacy and the fellowship. Is so rich. Why? When God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees Jesus Christ. He sees many Christ. And he cannot reject his children. Many provisions have been made for us in the new covenant, which was not there in the old covenant. Because the dealing with your children is always different from the dealing with others. We have become beneficiaries of his favor, beneficiaries of his blessing, beneficiaries of his mercy. Under the auspices of the fact that we are now sons of God. Say, I'm a son of God. Say, I'm a son of God. Now, if you're a lady, you shouldn't, uh, you know, stutter when you are saying this because the word son means, um, it means um, it's not male or female. The word son means, you know, coming out of God. It refers to your spirit. Your spirit doesn't have a gender. Hallelujah. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When God saved us, what happened to us? This is what happened to us. Bible says, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Give me another translation. Right, we then as workers together with God. So, 
the born again Christian, all right, is a worker. That's the revelation of being born again. You are a worker. Bible says, we then as workers together with him. We are not workers for him, but we are workers with him. God is trying to achieve a goal in the earth realm. And the people he's working with are not angels, but his sons. Praise the Lord Jesus. So when you are born again, you are not just, uh, you know, someone waiting to go to heaven. You have been recruited as a worker with God on his ultimate purpose. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, give me the translation that's his partner. Look at that. He says, as God's partners. Now, if you have been a business person, you understand this language very well. Partner is the same as, this word means shareholder. You know how we can look at the word child of God and, and uh, you know, look at ourselves as, you know, very vulnerable, you know, as God being a very big person with a big cane in his hand, waiting to beat us, like looking at ourselves as people who are irrelevant, people who have nothing to offer. Always going to go, oh God, have mercy on me. Oh God, have mercy on me. Oh God, you know I'm nothing. Oh God, you know. For 10, 20 years. Look at what God calls you. He says, as God's partners. Now if God was looking for partners, why wouldn't he choose cherubims or seraphims? I mean creatures with six wings. Powerful creatures like Michael. Who could contend with the Prince of Persia? Territorial principalities. Who are God's partners? In the universe, when God is calling a board meeting, the people he considers for board meeting is those who are born again. You know, when you have a big business and someone says, that's my partner. He's talking about rights in the business. We are God's partners in his kingdom. Bible says S. It means that we share in the heritage of God's kingdom. Many have never understood what it means to be born again. But this is the reality. It says, as God's partners, Paul is saying, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness. Meaning that what brought us into partnership with God is based on the benevolence of God. Driving a car, listen to me, listen, driving a car for an for a believer. That's not what defines your status. The greatest thing God has done for you is that you are a shareholder in the kingdom of God. That's why the Bible says that we will judge angels. Oh Jesus. Partners. Co-workers. 
People say, we are working for God. We are not working for God. We are working with God. <laughs> it's not the same thing. We are working with God. Jesus said, whatever I see my father do, that's what I do. It's a partnership. That means his kingdom on earth, the expansion of it depends on us. That's why angels cannot come and expand the kingdom of God because they were not given that privilege. Not that they cannot do it. You know, people say angels cannot preach. Once they can speak, they can preach. Hallelujah. What's an angel that came to Mary spoke vocabulary? Angels can speak Spanish. They can speak French. They, they, have, they are more articulate than humans. The privilege was denied them. That's the whole thing. As God's co-workers, partners, he says, do not receive this grace in vain. He says, we beg you. It means that when you become born again, you know, the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. So that grace that you have been given based on the kindness of God to become a partner in his business, Jesus said to his parents, do you not know that I should be about my father's business? Because Jesus understood that he's a partner. You don't compel partners to do what they are expected to do. Partners don't need to be begged about, you know, their father's business. This church is your father's business. The church of God is not for men, it's for Jesus Christ. This is your home because you are, you are a shareholder in his kingdom. But he says we beg you, don't let this grace be in vain. How do we make the grace in vain? When we don't use it to work. You know, when people, when you meet people and they say, how are you doing? By the grace of God, I'm fine. No, that's not what the grace of God is for. <laughs> oh, your shoe is very nice. Oh, it's by the grace of God. Who told you? That the grace of God is for nice shoes? Where did you read that in the Bible? You know, it's a talk like, you know, humility talk. You know, I'm, I'm being humble. Oh, your hair is nice. Oh, by the, is the grace, is it the grace of God that did your hair? <laughs> the car you are driving was made by a Buddhist somewhere in Tokyo or South Korea. Oh, that's a beautiful car. Oh, that is by the grace. No, it's not by the grace of God. Do you know what the grace of God is? Bible says the law came through Moses. But truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. It means that if you don't have Jesus Christ, you, you can't talk about grace. There's the mercy of God. It's not grace. What is grace? The mercy of God is what enables the sun to shine on the unbeliever and the sun to shine on the believer. 
The mercy of God is God withholding his power to judge somebody when, you know, judgment is due them. So the mercy of God can cover a lot of people. But grace is so special. Grace is given to partners for the expansion of the business of the Father. So the word grace was mentioned in relation to work. Not in relation to beauty. Oh, you are looking beautiful. It's by the grace of God. It's not by the grace of God. Because there are unbelievers who are even more beautiful without this grace. Bible says we are saved by grace. It means if you are not saved, you don't have grace. Grace is not for beauty. Grace is not for visa. <laughs> what is grace? Grace is defined as God's enabling power. Enabling power for what? When you become born again, you need a certain power to help you live this divine life. So God gives you that power so that you can please God. A life of holiness cannot be lived on the strength of human ability. You can't expand the kingdom of God on the strength of human ability. It's a divine work. It's God's work. He says, we are co-workers. That's the work that he does. It's a work for God's. You are recruited to do work for God's. You need grace that enables God to do work that God can only do. So grace is given for us to undertake divine work. Give me back the scripture. Let me try around now. It says as God's co-workers, we urge you um, not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. Give me King James. We then as workers together with him beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. How do we receive the grace of God in vain? We receive the grace of God in vain when the grace has not been used for the purpose it was intended for. So many people have been born again but the grace has been used as a pleasantry. Oh, the food is nice. Oh, it's by the grace of God. Does the grace of God cook jollof? No. You cook good jollof because you're good at cooking jollof. Grace is not given for mundane things. Grace is given for partners. So they can expand God's business. So what are we talking about? Grace is given for work. Let me rush through this. Matthew 28, 18 to 21. Are you following me at all? These are the works that grace was given to us for. Matthew 28, 18 to 21. What is God's business? God's business is souls. God's business is not MTN. God's business is not Ecobank. <laughs> God's business you know you can say oh I've dedicated my business to God that's, the, that's you wanting to make 
you know, give God something because of your personal interest. Is God interested in your business, in that echo bank? Is he interested in it? God, that's why we started with the scripture, Philippians 2, 21. It says that people are interested in their own, but not that of Christ. Christ has a business. So winning company unlimited. That's, that's his business. So, this is what he has given us grace to do. Then Jesus came to them and said, authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, do what? 20. We all know this scripture. Therefore, do what? Oh, read it loud. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 20. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The Holy Spirit gave me a certain revelation about this. Go to King James. It's not always. This is the original translation. It says, and lo, I'm with you always. I'm with you always. It means as you go, I'm with you. As you go, I'm with you. As you don't go, I'm not with you. <laughs> you know, your help can be with someone, but you are not with them. That's how it works. Your money can be with someone, but you are not present. So you can be a Christian. You are receiving the hand of God, but not his heart. He says, as you do this, I am with you. Not I will be with you. So there are people, there are Christians that God is with based on partnership. Because they are fulfilling the demands of the partnership. And lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. A soul winner is someone who has accepted the grace of God and put the grace of God to use. In such a way that God cannot resist but be with him. Because God is in the place where his business is being expanded or established. Praise the Lord Jesus. And God has called all of us into this mandate. Has given us grace for this mandate. You know, people say, okay, when I become born again, I need time. You know, I need time before I can join this soul winning. It's been 10 years, my dear. <laughs> it's been 10 years. Oh, you know, I'm not too timid. I'm not too confident. But you went for that job interview and you, you know, you passed. Oh, I'm the quiet type. But, you know, when you met that girl, you were able to speak. Till the girl said yes. So what are you saying? Are you following what I'm saying? You don't need to look at the people that God saved in the Bible. Peter, God saved the same day he was recruited. Jesus actually said, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's it. In fact, in their time, there was no new convert school. 
You are not made to sit down and be Because you see, the day you become born again is the day you receive grace for work. It's that same day. Matthew was at the tax office. Jesus got there. He, he didn't say, okay, now you need six months, Bible school, Bible lessons. Then that same day, he said, follow me. And they were doing ministry. Grace is the enabling power, not your inability to talk to people. That's why he gave you grace. So, making grace of no effect is still having confidence in yourself. He says, go. He didn't say, go and learn all the Bible and then go. No, he said, go. I am with you always. The most powerful salvation experiences have been through people who are not even prepared to preach the gospel. I got born again. I used to be a rapper. Can you imagine? I was a very great rapper. Very popular rapper. You know, and I was going to like master my songs. I had my tracks already. You know, I was going to master them and I just wanted to go to uh, better my um, results so I go to the university. I wanted to be an educated rapper. You know, but but I had never been to church. I was lost way in the world. You know, my wife was also a student. At the time, she was just an, a regular student. And she came for classes. I was there. I was dressed. I mean, when you see me, you know that. There are some unbelievers. When you see them, you will not know they are unbelievers. Because they dress like Christians, but they are unbelievers. But I was the unbeliever that dressed like unbeliever. You know, my durags, my... Beverly boots, Beverly jeans, you know. Then she walked up to me and said, God needs you. I looked at her and said, do you know who I am? Then she said, stop lying to yourself. There was no mention of scripture in that conversation that got me saved. He said, don't make the grace of God useless is God's enabling power. He says, I am with you. It just takes a conversation. Hello. How are you? Where are you going to? You go to church? No. Do you know you need Jesus Christ? The Holy Spirit carries those words, pierces the heart. He's the one that convicts people, not your words. Then he be- his heart begins to break. He begins to feel the need for God. But what are we doing with this grace? Grace is not giving for you to pass your exams. There are people without grace doing far better. Grace is giving for us to save souls. We are saved to save others. God wants more children. God, that's the biggest business God is doing. He wants more children. Hallelujah. And we are his only hope to expanding his kingdom. We are his only partners. A great man said, any born again believer who is not concerned about the souls of men is not truly born again. Because the Holy Spirit will speak to you. My wife just spoke those words to me. I said, do you know who I am? She said, stop lying to yourself. 
Jesus needs you. Accept him. That was it. I was broken. No scripture, nothing. I came back pleading, I want to know Jesus. Today, that rapper is a preacher. If you gain the whole world and you lose your soul, Bible says, what have you gained? What are you doing for Jesus? Bible says, everyone cares for his own interest, but not that of Christ. God expects us to rise up now and do his work. It's the only work that is, I mean, that's, that has value in eternity. That's the only work. Revelation 14, 13. Look at it. It says, Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. Let's read together. They will rest from their labor. You see, so it means that we, those of us in the Lord, <laughs> we are called to labor. We are called to work. And the only thing that makes us stop the labor is when we die. And Bible says it's a blessing when you die in the Lord. And it says they will rest from their labor for their deeds. Give me King James. It says their works will follow them. So when we die, our houses will not follow us. Becky, do you know that your certificate, when you die, you can't, or you can go with it. No, you can. Or you use it for a job in heaven or something like that. <laughs> Maybe you apply for a job in heaven. I'm from a Shesi University. The angel will say, wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> or like you can go with your bank account and tell the angel, do you know who I am? Do you know who my father is? The gold you respect here, Bible says, streets in heaven. What are we going to heaven with? Works. Our works. What kind of works? That's what I've told you, the Father's business. So winning. Bible says everything will be passed through fire. Hallelujah. Everything will be passed through what? Fire. So imagine... If all you did was to acquire vehicles, fire can burn vehicles. Even the beast that, uh, what do you call it, the President Obama or uh, the new one, Biden. You know, the fire of heaven is not like this, our fire. <laughs> but the soul of man cannot be burned by fire. So the only works... That should follow us as our souls. Please rise to your feet. This is what we have received grace for. Now, I want to challenge you to obey the Lord. It is the best challenge. All right? Yeah, it's the best challenge. There are certain things you don't really need to be challenged to do because the pressure, like for example, when I was in the university... Nobody really told me to learn. You see, when they said, when they bring the exam calendar, timetable, 
do you need someone to advise you? The timetable is an advice. <laughs> you reduce activities. You reduce all the unnecessary calls. But I came to challenge you to obey the Lord. Hallelujah. And to obey the Lord is to win souls. That's it. Use the grace that has been given to you. Lift up your right hand. Begin to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Tell the Holy Spirit to help you so that you obey the Lord. You obey the Lord so that you think about what Christ will make God happy. Just pray that Holy Spirit help me. 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 Help me to obey you. Help me to obey you. Thank you, Lord. Help me to obey you. 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 In the name of Jesus. To do this great work. To do this great work. Oh God, to do this great work. To win the lost for you. In the name of Jesus. To win the lost for you. To be a faithful soul winner. Putting the grace of God to work. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.